Is it an epic or epic failure? The Big Review. Movies, games, and TV in focus. The King's Man. Yes, not the King's Man. It's the King's Man. It is the prequel to the previous two movies that we've been getting in the past couple of years. Basically talks about how the entirety of that Secret Service was established. It stars the amazing Ralph Fiennes, Gemma Arterton, Reese Eifens, Matthew Good, Tom Hollander, and so many others, including Daniel Brühl. I know this is... I need to just say that like straight up. Why does he always go for like the German evil a scientist or the German evil advisor? Every basically an Eastern European European evil advisor, evil villain kind of vibe. Why? It just works. You just it, it's you don't question it. It's it's kind of like this whole thing where uh, you just associate. Uh, certain actors with a certain trope and he fits it perfectly and it's like you know what I don't have any problems with that I don't but it's like I he looks exactly like Helmet from the MCU and I'm, I'm just seeing the same character again not that I'm complaining but I'm a little bit complaining but again the story follows the basically it starts in the early 1900s around world war one and even talks about how did world world war happen especially from the you know the back from behind the scenes from beneath the table and whatnot what were the causes why was that happening and whatnot and i really enjoyed the movie i went in expecting it to be just your typical action secret service as comedy drama action movie but no, it really took me by surprise. Yeah, I like the whole idea behind the movie where it retells the historical events of World War One and tries to uh, twist the narrative in a way where World War One, uh, the event, the factors that caused that war wasn't because of these independent. Uh, catastrophes like the assassination of the Archduke. All of these are all tied down to a shadowy organization who plans mm -hmm. to kill millions of people, millions of lives across the world. Mm -hmm. And so now uh, we have the Duke of Oxford and his little special uh, talented group of people uh, basically racing to acquire the intelligence and, and to complete certain missions to ensure that the war ends as soon as possible. And I love this very much because you, you get this globetrotting globe trotting sort of mission you go to parts of russia you go parts of scotland you're in britain and, and also uh one thing that i uh, they, they really did well here is the the trench wars the no man land sequences mm -hmm. uh at, despite that was really good yeah despite its com comedic uh, tone for uh, just generally in the movie, uh, they still try to emphasize the horror and the, the cost of of these of, of such a war. You know that this is no joke. That people did lose their lives. It caused a lot of damage, and you know, and it just it's something that they they had to address because you can't be all silly and funny and also have the theme of World War One in it. And what I loved about it is that. Okay, this isn't really a spoiler because we try not to delve into spoilers as much as we can, but it might be just a tiny, tiny one. It doesn't really give away much of what is happening in the movie, but one of the main themes in this entire movie is that Conrad Oxford, his son, 
is kind of like you know any young man who wants to jump right into the war he wants to be he wants to be a brave soldier he wants to be valiant and whatnot and he keeps on insisting on doing that and that is not something that was okay strange sentiment among several men of that time yes there were a lot of people who are very much against it and did not want it but that usually if i understand correctly and remember correctly from what i've read about the great war or the world first world war the second world war i believe people were a lot more disenfranchised and angry and upset closer to the second world war rather than the first one but obviously there's always those people who would want to jump right into it and protect their families their loved ones and their country it is just a sentiment that was shared by a lot of men around that time and he was one of them and what i loved that at some point that when he truly experiences the harshness of the war he breaks down completely and i enjoyed that a lot not the fact that he broke down but the idea that his entire view of the world was shattered at that moment and they didn't keep on that weird like basically they didn't make it seem like it's a whole fairy tale kind of thing oh i'm gonna keep on being brave and strong even amongst adversity no he's still is very human he's aware of um his he had a sort of a rose-colored idea yeah rose-colored idea of what a war was like he's gonna be strong and he's gonna storm right into the barracks and you know kill all these enemies and whatnot but the moment he experienced the death the trauma and it hit him and the way he broke down in those couple of minutes was just perfect which is why i'm telling you this movie just takes a turn they do not expect at some point and even though it is very much war themed and even though it does have that comedic point every once in a while it was quite real and it was like they basically tell you the reason why this version of a secret service the the kingsmen were created basically to make sure this kind of thing never happens and they basically talk about how the the way it was born was out of necessity out of need it wasn't just a bunch of people who just felt like being adventurous and wanting to get right into it no they're like we notice something and we feel that it's integral that we put in this work and hours to make sure that nothing goes wrong throughout the world we're going to be taking a quick break and if you guys have watched the kingsman again join in the conversation we'd love to hear from you 4215 salat or do we're going to continue our review after the short break Pulse 95. we continue our review of the king's man yes the prequel to the kingsman it has been out in the cinemas for the past week i'm pretty sure some of you guys have watched it so again join in the conversation for 215 and we were talking before the break how they were depicting the realities of war the realities and traumatic events of world war one and how basically they were saying that perhaps there is a secret organization behind every single thing that led to the war and even the period behind it and the period after it so it's very interesting and that movie took us both by surprise yeah it's got a lot of mix of conspiracy shadowy organizations and uh, uh, a lot of espionage sequences uh some of the things that i absolutely loved and i think it's the bread and butter of this movie are the action set pieces mm -hmm. phenomenal work again i forget there's this style to the kingsman 
um, a very up close and quick and very impactful. Mm-hmm. You know, when when two adversaries are at e- at each other's neck, you you feel the struggle and and, and the, the oomph and the you know when somebody punches or flips another person, the gunshot. They get really close with mm-hmm. some of these uh, with some of these shots. The, the especially uh, with uh, there's a lot of sort of like milli sequences. Yeah, you know, uh, there's this thing about uh, I don't want to spoil it too much, but sooner or later they you know when they go to the no man's land, there's this whole sequence uh, that doesn't and actually ironically enough doesn't deal with. Uh, Guns, but rather just up close, silent combat. Yeah. And I don't want to tell you why, but it's just so, it was so phenomenal. I was like, oh my God, these people, you know, like th- there's honor in the fight, but mm-hmm. they're still, they still going to go all at it. Like non nonsense violence. And I, I really absolutely loved it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I agree with you fully. When I tell you again, this movie took us by surprise. It really, really did. And again, one of the biggest highlights I repeat is the human aspect and the fact that they keep on showing that everybody every single person who is in that movie is a human and they are not robots and they're not made of steel that they break down and they're not really good at their job sometimes they mess up sometimes they're overconfident sometimes they make bad decisions even the part where um orlando oxford the father when he was kind of scaling a mountain and the amount of mistakes that he ended up doing the way he would slip, the way he you know, loses his grip, the way when the airplane was falling, etc. It very suspenseful. It's very suspenseful and very human. They're saying that, yes, this person is, you know, a an agent of some sort. He is a soldier. He was a soldier at some point. But at the end of the day, he is not perfect. And it just goes somewhat against the usual typical... Um, male or even female protagonist of any action movie where they always seem that they're good on their toes they know what they're doing and they make absolutely no mistakes no not here they make a lot of mistakes very human lots of emotions all the acting was fantastic i was talking to you about how i just realized that tom hollander actually played three roles the roles of the three um regents which is uh, the prince george king george sorry king george uh, Wilhelm, Kaiser Wilhelm and Tsar Nicholas because in real life they're cousins and they look exactly the same more or less so having him play all roles was very smart of them and also the fact we didn't even notice he was the same person it's just you know kudos to the entire team which is why even though I was kind of iffy about what to give this movie but I really it's very hard to fault it it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So it's an easy 9 out of 10 for me. It's a joy to watch and it ticks all the action boxes. But again, very human. Um, as for me, some just a tad bit of the criticisms come from the fact that uh, there's a twist in the film that a little bit feels a bit weak. And uh, when, I thought you liked that. Um, not so much. It's just it, it's you. You build up so much tension to a, a mystery, and I was like, oh, okay. Uh, hmm. But besides that, uh, there was also I, I, I still I like the whole retelling and twisting of narrative of historical events. But in doing so, if you're a bit of a history buff and you know how those events unfold in the aftermath of it, uh, trying to tell this fictional part of it can frustrate you a little bit and it can get a little bit politically and historically convoluted because I was like questioning my own understanding of these events myself. I think that that's what makes it really good because it was 
simple enough for anybody to follow the events yeah. because they're trying to explain a period that was very politically dense in terms of information. Like what is happening? Who is who on his whose side? And what is that? Why did this person do this and that, etc., etc.? I feel they simplified it in a very good way where anybody can understand, even if they have zero knowledge of World War One. But I'm saying those who do have knowledge can get a little annoyed by... I think that yeah. that is a price that anybody, any expert in any field has to pay while watching any movie. But even then, I feel like, I feel like again, it's the opposite. Because even if you are an expert in, you know, that period of history, I feel like you'd still feel appreciative of the fact they kind of twisted reality in a very realistic way. Raspoon is the biggest plot device that, in which they change it up a lot. So just a bit, more or less, not a lot to be. It's honest. almost like they feed into the myth of Raspoon and the you know the voodoo ishness of the, him, they which do, I liked. They do and they don't because they yeah. even show that he is actually quite a fake as well. So again, I'm. It sounds like I'm rebutting, uh, hitting heads with Mikhail, but that's what we usually do. But we didn't get his verdict. So. So my verdict is it's just one point down. It's an eight out of ten. It's, it's still, a nine. it's still an absolute it's a blast. It's a nine. Uh, and I urge people to go out and watch it because um, it feels like it's not doing very well in the box office. And I, I would hate for this franchise to just stop right here. Mm-hmm. They can go into World War II. They can go back to making The Kingsman three. And I just don't want it to flop with this film. So go support this film. Watch it. Highly recommend. And that is our review for The King's Man. Yes, that is it. And we going to have a celebration right after these sports headlines we're going to be talking about pluto is it a, is it a planet or is it not a planet and also the biggest and most anticipated movie sorry no movies was yesterday today's video games most anticipated video games of 2022 stay tuned for that and so much more only here on pulse 95 95. Yesterday, we spoke about the most anticipated movies of 2022 and talking about that. And, you know, do you know what? Do you remember when I said or I was talking about Morbius? Do you know that it was delayed again last night? To the 1st oh of April. It's been pushed to the 1st of... I said it yesterday. I did say it's going to be pushed back again and I, they pushed it again. My theory is that because Spider-Man is so successful and it's still going throughout theaters for the next couple, couple of weeks, that Sony's like, uh, just just let Spider-Man you know, cash out pretty good and then we're going to get Morbius later. That movie you know. is just... Goodness, I, I don't know what to say at this point. It's being pushed back since 2020 and we keep getting pushed back again and again and again. What is happening with this movie in particular? We have no idea. But let's talk about the most anticipated video games, especially for me. We are 26, no, I'm really bad at math. 24 days, 24 days away from one of the most exciting games in the Pokemon franchise, Pokemon Legends of Arceus, which is sort of like a, it was not going to be a main game, one of the main titles, sort of a side title, and it takes basically a whole different view and a whole different approach towards the Pokemon series and franchise, and I'm so excited to play it. I mean, you can physically fight a Pokemon for the first time ever, and I feel like that's a lot of people's dream come true, so I cannot wait to talk about it when it comes out. Also, for me personally, Dying Light 2, I remember playing the first game, it's a really good survival co 
co-op game. And this game was supposed to come out uh, sometime around Cyberpunk 2077. But when the when uh, CD Projekt Red delayed, they also delayed, and they've delayed mm. indefinitely for a while. And I think it's great that they did this because it means that they they saw a lot of cracks and a lot of flaws in their game, and they really want to release this uh, fully polished. And I'm just so excited for it's coming out later this year, uh, February 2022. Yes. Also, another banger that month. We got Horizon Zero uh, Forbidden uh, West. Uh, I get it. I Forbidden get it. West. Yeah, it's Horizon a Horizon Forbidden West. It's okay, guys. Repeat after us. Horizon Forbidden West. And then we have Elden Ring. Oh, Elden Ring. And I'm telling you, February is the month I will have no life because I'm just playing three bangers mm-hmm. all, at, all, all, at, all at the same time. And I, I get it. Players are just going to go crazy. We've been waiting for these big releases. Absolutely. And other releases, uh, honorary mentions, Gran Turismo 7 is coming out in March. Starfield coming out in November 11. God of War Ragnarok sometime in 2022. It hasn't been announced when that is coming out Bayonetta 3 which was one of the biggest surprises that came out of Nintendo during a Nintendo Direct earlier a couple of months ago but also has no official release date Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League in 2022 sometime no idea another big game The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 also, we're waiting for that big announcement sometime from Nintendo. It's certainly uh, going to be a great time for gamers this year. But if you have any personal anticipations, favorite games that you're waiting for this year that we haven't mentioned, do text in 4215. It's slot or do. I have one as well. Oh, my long awaited game. Which one? Road Factory 5. Oh, my it's God. coming out in March. Back at it again. The game I've been waiting for for 10 years. It's coming out in March. I'm just getting teary-eyed all over again. I want you to guys understand this. Like, (laughs) (laughs) since the beginning of our friendship, she's brought up (laughs) Rune Factory to me. Talk about Rune Factory (laughs) since 2018. And then when I saw that trailer uh, during the Nintendo Direct, goodness, I started crying. It was 3 a.m. in the morning. I was not okay. That game literally shaped um, just a Harvest Moon series in general slash story of seasons by Ruin Factory as well. What Shaped your favorite? childhood? Not really because it came out in like 2013. Shaped 20, your teenage years? My young adultness? Your young, ad- your adolescence. Year. My... Uh, Basically, it shaped me. Let's say that. Okay. One of my favorite games, Ruin Factory 4, is out, and I did replay it, and I haven't finished it. It's on my Switch. One of those games you go back and forth with, but it's it's a great game nonetheless. Coming up next, let's have a big, big debate. Should Pluto be a planet again? We need to talk about this because a couple of scientists are also talking about it. Again, opening up the discussion of why Pluto should be reinstated as a planet coming up next right here on the afternoon karak if you liked this episode of afternoon karak drop a like and subscribe be sure to follow us on instagram for all our daily updates and top stories